Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. Today, I am looking forward to introducing you to another member of the Relaunch Me team, one of our very experienced resume and LinkedIn writers, Jeanette Walton. Jeanette has been writing resumes, LinkedIn profiles, cover letters, and key selection criteria responses and statements for 13 years. And she has an extensive background in writing, editing, and proofreading before that. Jeanette also has a Bachelor of Arts majoring in professional writing from Deakin University, and she's also a certified master-level resume writer. So today I have asked Jeanette to join me on the podcast specifically to discuss how to apply for jobs that require you to address key selection criteria, which is very common in applications for state and federal government roles, local government tertiary education, social work, and in community services, amongst some others. So for anyone who's had to do this, you'll know that it is a really time-consuming process, and it's not always straightforward in terms of working out the correct format and what they're actually looking for. So today, Jeanette, I've asked her to provide us with some tips from her years of experience helping clients with this rather tedious task. Welcome to the podcast, Jeanette. Thank you, Leah. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Jeanette, can you explain for us what is it that makes these applications so time-consuming for candidates? Okay, so quite often key selection criteria is for government or public sector roles. Most of the time they require you to address key selection criteria. And I guess it often requires that higher-level planning and attention to detail um, when putting together your application, particularly because government and public sector businesses often have more rigorous compliance and governance standards and expectations. By taking the time to verify and align with the job application specifications, which often include that key selection criteria, you are demonstrating to that business that you uphold such professional values. So that's going to be a big tick for them. It should also be noted that making contact with the recruiter to clarify what their job application preferences are, is an ideal opportunity to introduce yourself and to identify whether that particular role is relevant for you and your career ambitions. So I guess I'm saying it's it's as important for you to assess a job relevance as it is for the recruiter before you put in that extra time and resources producing uh, key selection criteria responses. Okay, you make a really good point there, Jeanette, because often they're asking you to address the key selection criteria, but it could be in a number of different formats. Say to our clients, can you go back and speak to the recruiter and just clarify what this actually means? Because it's often not clear, is it? That's right. And, and if you don't, um, you know, with it being such so highly competitive in the job market, if you don't meet their specific expectations or requirements in your application, you'll be disregarded no matter what you have on offer. So, yeah, it really adds value to go and, and make that contact with the recruiter, I believe. Yeah. So there might be some listeners out there, Jeanette, who've never had to do this before. They might be just starting out with their job search process. Can you explain to them, you know, if you are asked to address key selection criteria, what that actually means? 
Yeah, okay. So the key selection criteria is often used to prompt you as the applicant uh, to provide individualised examples of how you meet the core job requirements. So it helps, it speeds up the process for the recruiter to see that you align with what they're looking for. Um, the key selection criteria lists out specific aspects of the role that are important to the employer, which can include soft skills as well as hard skills. So soft skills such as interpersonal communications, and it guides also guides the applicant on how to demonstrate their alignment with the role. For example, if a criterion asks you to demonstrate your ability to plan and complete projects based on critical deliverables, you will need to provide at least one career example that showcases both your project planning and execution capabilities, say based on timeframes, budgets, et cetera. So it's really about drilling down and matching that criterion. Um, and I generally use the STAR or the situation task action and result methodology to address each key selection criterion. Yeah, that's right. So they're looking for um, perhaps some, a brief overview, I guess, of your understanding of that criterion, but then a very specific example of how you've used that, um, that competency in the past to be successful overcoming some sort of problem. That's right. And um, as a side note, I've often found that that in-depth review and consideration of key selection criteria um, helps prospective applicants to really consider whether they can meet those requirements before they commence the career documentation project. So some applications, Jeanette, will ask candidates to address the key selection criteria um, individually in a separate statement, whilst other application instructions might ask candidates to address the key selection criteria as part of a cover letter. I think this is something that candidates find really confusing um, and sometimes we're confused by it because it's not often clear. Can you explain how these differ and what candidates do need to be aware of? Okay, so I guess it ties in with what we talked about earlier where the, the benefits of contacting the recruiter to clarify how they want it addressed. So the main two ways that uh, key selection criteria have been addressed um, up until recently is either via a two- to three-page cover letter or a separate document in addition to the resume and cover letter. Um, sometimes it's specified in the how to apply instructions, but even then sometimes it's not clear enough. So that's why we recommend uh, contacting the recruiter where it's really not, where it's a bit ambiguous. Um, in both contexts, so the cover letter and the separate document, I will usually ask a client to complete a questionnaire to help me to provide specific examples of how they can meet the criteria. Um, if we're incorporating into a cover letter, I usually don't need as much information provided or as many star-based examples because of space limitations. But if we're writing up that separate document where there's more scope for um, further detail to address each criterion, um, which I believe indicates a higher prioritisation of that aspect of the application, I encourage the client to provide at least a couple of star-based examples so that we can really drill down into their alignment with the role's key selection criteria. Um, although I have noticed um, recently, there, seem to, there seems to be a slight shift that more public sector organisations, based on the clients I work with, um, are now starting to ask for a statement with word or page limitations, which probably aligns more with the length of what I'd produce in a cover letter. So in this case, where you're not writing as formally, um, I would then use bolding, bullet, bullet points, et cetera, um, to really break up the content and help the reader to navigate that content so we can still really highlight how they meet each of the criteria. 
Yeah, so I think that, you know, that's actually really, there's three different ways that you could be asked to address the key selection criteria isn't now with the statement as well. Yeah, that's becoming more common, absolutely. And is there a guide, Jeanette, in terms of word count? Because I think that's something that people really struggle with. Um, is there a recommended sort of word count for these different forms of uh, addressing the criteria? So, oh, look, on average, I find when I'm writing a cover letter, it would be like sometimes you've even, you've even got to do it within one, a one-page cover letter, but that's that's an exception. Um, if it's a st- if it's a statement or a cover letter, probably a paragraph. So really, um, one standout example to meet that shows how you can meet each criteria will be enough. So I usually would do a paragraph um, for each one. Whereas with um, a separate document, you know, with, there's more scope, uh, more space. So usually I would do two or three paragraphs in. So we would probably touch on at least one or at least a couple of examples. Yeah. Yeah, so you might use some multiple examples in that situation. That's right, yeah, yep. Um, And Jeanette, can you explain, uh, you sort of briefly mentioned that you might send a questionnaire to someone. Could you explain, like, if someone was looking to get some assistance with this, um, how working with a resume writer such as yourself can facilitate this process? Okay, so the standard process across both private and public sectors is for the the client to first provide a copy of their existing resume if they have one and one that's relatively up to date, as well as perhaps a specific job ad or job ad examples if that's feasible, just to to help us to prepare. Um, If they do not have an up-to-date original resume, I will generally ask them to complete a questionnaire. It really um, enables me to to optimise the time we then spend in the subsequent phone consultation. So I have time to prepare my questions and to understand their career history and how it aligns, et cetera. Um, once that information has been provided, I'll then schedule in a phone consultation with the client. They're on average about 45 minutes, up to an hour I generally find because I ask a lot of questions, um, for the purposes of clarifying and or drawing out additional information. And in addition to that discussion being used to better understand their career history and ambitions, it's also used to draw out professional skills, achievements and experiences that the, that the client may not have considered. Um, some clients, some of my clients have noted the benefits of that stage of the resume writing process to help them to also prepare for potential job interviews based on the questions that are asked, That you know, to really back up what they're saying in their resume. Um, and the next stage is my finalisation of their career documentation which um, I then will try and align as much as, as I can with the job ad or job ad examples that they've provided, including via keyword optimization, the highlighting of transferable skills and capabilities where relevant. Uh, transferable skills and, and experiences is, is something that um, some clients really need to think about because they may have an earlier role that's more relevant than they realise. Um, I usually aim to have the finalised career documentation through to them to review within three to five days of our phone consultation and the client's then entitled to two rounds of revisions within a two-week period. Um, And obviously I'll align with the job application cutoff dates as relevant as much as I can. But, yeah, it's it's really a collaborative process, the whole resume writing process. Yeah, collaborative and, and, I mean, it can be a, you know, a really lengthy process. I remember you were doing, um, helping one of our clients recently with uh, addressing case selection criteria and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were 15 criteria that that person had to address. Yes, yes, it can be quite a time-consuming process, yeah, and that's 
So having them provide as much relevant information as they can before I start writing is really beneficial. It really optimises my time as well. Yeah. Yeah. And from memory, that was perhaps like a seven-page document. Yes. Yes. That's the I've done, yeah. In yep. addition to the to the resume and I think the cover letter as well. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a um, huge amount of work. Um for someone who's out there perhaps, you know, sitting down about to start trying to address criteria for an application, what would be three pieces of advice that you would be able to give them, Jeanette, to help them ensure that their application stands out and is in line with what employers are looking for? Okay, so um, ensuring alignment with the job application specifications, including the how to apply instructions, is, is critical. Otherwise, you'll just be overlooked. And so that will that will apply um, across, you know, based on that will mean you'll you'll meet their uh, expectations with regards to what career documentation you provide and and how much detail you provide. And as as we've mentioned, it's worth seeking out and verifying with the recruiter uh, where there's an opportunity. Um, the next um, main piece of advice I would give is that you thoroughly review the job ad or position description to evaluate whether your skills and experiences will align with what's specified or prioritised, including in key selection criteria. That's a really important aspect um, of the job detail to focus on. And as I've mentioned earlier, keep in mind that you may have transferable skills and experiences that can be highlighted. Um, I think sometimes people, yeah, as I say, I think people underestimate what they've done in the past that could be relevant. And the other main piece of advice would be that to ensure that your career documentation is job tailored, including via keyword optimization, as well as achievement based to both individualize your application and to help you to stand out from other candidates. Taking the time to customize each application is, is, is going to be beneficial because it's going to also highlight to uh, prospective employees and recruiters that you, you're diligent, attention to detail, you're willing to go above and beyond all the stuff that stands out. Yeah. Yeah, great advice. And I think there's a couple of couple, a couple of things in there that, you know, I think are really important. First of all, I think for someone who is perhaps, um, you know, applying for a job that's a little bit of a sideways step or perhaps a bit of a career change, they may not necessarily have exact examples that they can use. And that's where it's really important to highlight those transferable skills and things that they've done that are similar um, to yep. what has been asked of them in the criteria. Yes, yes, because I, I think, um, that, I mean, obviously there's some real differences between roles, but across the board there's a, some, most roles have like some real standard core skills that, they, that they're, they're looking for, communication skills, relationship building, teamwork, that sort of stuff, yeah, and often um, they, they can be, you can highlight in earlier roles that you have those skills as transferable benefits for a new job. Yeah, and I think the other great point that you made is um, thinking about your achievements because the first place I'd be looking for examples is achievements that you have on your resume perhaps already and you can think, okay, well, you know, how did I achieve this? What competency or skill was I using? Yes, so it's about um, when you're when you're um, highlighting specific achievements, and again, I think people underestimate some of their achievements. It's really important to individualise you. So this shows employers exactly what you can done based on what you've already done. And when you're writing achievements, it's important to show um, briefly, but show the how and then the results. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's where that STAR method is really important, isn't it? It's actually talking through your actions and behaviours that actually um, your individual contribution. Absolutely. And and another point I should make is that I find sometimes some clients think because they didn't do it individually, they shouldn't include it. But it's also about what you've done as a team. That's still an achievement in your career. So people need to remember that as well. Um, Jeanette, look, that is all fantastic advice. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today and, and for sharing your wealth of experience. Look, if anyone out there is interested in engaging Jeanette in the future, then please just contact us through the Relaunch Me website. Um, we can answer any further questions that you have about the process or about how Jeanette might be able to help you. Thanks again, Jeanette. Um, it's been great chatting with you and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.